Welcome to Three Tales Max, the chronicles of my life. And I'm putting this together for really my family. The reason I call this Three Tales Max is if you hear more than three of these tales at one time, I guarantee you, you're going to say, that guy's lying. That cannot possibly be true. Well, this is the truth as I remember it. An autobiography, a recap of my life, the Chronicles of Three Tales Max. So let's get started. And remember, it's not my fault. So this episode has really not much to do with terrorists in the sense that you would think. It is titled Terrorists and Dandelions, and it's my life. Remember, this is an autobiography of my life, and things run in segments throughout my life. It'll be a theme of endless, oh my God, how did this happen to me? Well, this one is about terrorists and dandelions. This happened to me fairly recently. What has happened over my lifetime, and, and it really happened within the last two to five years, maybe this, this all happened. I had this streak of things where terrorists would, have, would attack places where I had been within the last month. Okay, that's really odd to me. Now, I'm not a terrorist. I, you know, I'm not, not even close to being a terrorist. Very passive person. Yeah, things like the uh, Las Vegas hotel shooting. I was in that hotel the month before. The Nashville Waffle House shooting. I was actually at that Waffle House about three days to a week before it happened. There was a North Carolina shopping mall shooting. I was there in the parking lot taking a breather. I was driving to a work site. So, okay, you think that's not... That's not too bad. You know, that happens to a lot of people. Well, I don't know about that. It's really, it's really tough for me to get my head around sometimes. There was a bombing in Turkey Airport. Right? I was, they showed this picture of where the bomb went off and how it blew it out. About know, just a week or so, two weeks, less than a month before that happened, I was standing right there waiting for a limousine to pick me up and take me off to an appointment. There was a, a runaway truck incident in Nice, France. The truck was run down, came off the road in front of the hotel I was staying at just a couple of weeks before that. Just too freaky a coincidence. How does this happen? It's one thing to say, if you think about, oh, I was in, you know, place ABC and, you know, five years later there was a terrorist attack there. You know, that, that happens. That's very, very, very true. But to have that many things in that short of a time, and I'm less than a month, I've been there prior to this happening. That's just too freaky a coincidence to me. Now keep that in mind, all right? Uh, it's a very sad story with these terrorist acts. I don't, don't know how we can stop that. That's not the point of this episode of my life. This is just an odd, freaky thing that happened right before some of these, or right during some of these terrorist incidences. So, believe me, everything caused me to take pause that has happened in this episode that I'm recording for you today. 
So, my job, I'm a scientist, I do research now, right? I've had many jobs over the years, you're going to hear me talk about them, they're whatever. Jobs are jobs, right? They support you in life. It's not my identity, it's a means to the ends. I something I really enjoy doing, I really enjoy working, I am a workaholic. So currently, I work with plants, green plants. And some of them are considered to be a weed, right? an unwanted plant. So some of my research, I have to buy seeds for these unwanted plants, plant them on a site, and then conduct my research. So one of those things that I do is I purchase dandelion seed. You're going to say, why would he buy dandelion seed? That's kind of like crazy thing. And that's a crazy thing. It is. If you ever did the math, if if you've ever bought dandelion seed and did the math, it comes out that the seed is worth about four hundred dollars per pound. Four hundred dollars per pound. And I use a lot of seed. I used to have people, we would go out and we would harvest this dandelion seed. We actually built a machine to harvest dandelion seed. Where did we collect seed? The best site to collect seed was by a a roadside. It was off-ramp of an interstate highway. We would go out there and spend a couple of three days a week picking dandelion seeds. You'd get the strangest look because this unit which, by the way, the crew named the Dandy Lion, was actually three different pieces of equipment cobbled together with <clears throat> stovepipe, bungee cords, s- seed sacks, four-stroke motors, and a riding lawnmower. If you can even imagine what this might have looked like, believe me, we got stairs. It's, so, you know, I'm a numbers guy. I'm running the numbers after a while and okay you know what i can actually buy this dandelion seed if i get it for a certain price per pound and it'll be cheaper than me collecting it because it takes a lot of work to collect this seed remember on average the seed costs 400 dollars a pound went through and i i worked my, my my research i did my research i found a place that was in France, believe it or not. And this was just after, oh, I don't know, several years of research, I found this place. Depends on who you got on the telephone. They would answer your emails in English. Now, I don't speak French. I don't, you know, I can't read French, obviously. So we started to deal with these people. Years and years, probably 10 years, we dealt with this French company that would send us dandelion seed. And one of the things you have to do when you start looking at French companies and so they're, they're, they have a different currency than we do and what's the exchange rate and how do I get the most out of my US dollar for my French purchase? So we're watching the money markets or watching where the dollar stands on the world market and we would buy the seed. Sometimes we would buy it in advance. Just because the market was ripe. I mean, we got we were getting great prices from the conversion out of the U.S. dollar. 
And we did this often. We did this years. For years we did this. So one year we're waiting and waiting. And this was the year of the uh, the French uh, had the uh, delivery truck run through the parade I was telling you about. And they, they uh, stopped the truck. The truck crashed right in front of the hotel I was staying at. Or very near to the hotel I was staying at. Let's put it that way. Um, while I was in France. I was in France for a while that year. So, it was that year. Now, the, the truck incident has not happened yet. Right? There were some other incidences were going on in the world that we were kind of concerned about in trying to get you know, international things into the United States. I, I just, in, off the top of my head, I can't remember exactly what those were. But we ordered our seed, as we always do. We waited and we waited and we waited... We make phone calls. We get people who didn't understand English on the other side. We'd send emails. We'd get no replies. What, what's going on? Why are we not receiving this seed? And now we're not talking about you know two three dollars worth of seed. This was an eight thousand dollar purchase, and it's getting hung up and it's getting time. If you've ever worked in the plant world, the the climate is everything. You know, you miss your climate climatic window. You might not have what you need for a year or the next year. We're working about two to three years out. We're planting weed seed to or dandelion seed to have it to do research on three, two to three years down the road. Okay, so finally, uh, finally, after many, many weeks past the time it should have been in here, we get this box from France. It's all taped up and it's just crazy light i mean there's supposed to be eight thousand dollars of dandelion seed in this thing now the size of the box is probably the size of two loaves of bread okay that's what eight thousand dollars worth of dandelion seed looks like so we get it we open it up and inside it is a single eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper and written in english it says you know your contents were deemed illegal were confiscated and incinerated oh my god where's this stuff going now all of a sudden i'm like you know my name's on it and you know my address is on it and i'm assuming they had some other contact information for me i don't know what exactly what they were doing at this point in time i was like what happened it's like you know this we've done this for years why all of a sudden are we not getting this dandelion seed so i do a little bit of research and again i can't talk to the company because there's they speak french and i just didn't get a, a, a an interpreter to help us i took the route of what happened when it got here in the united states what happened why did it not clear like it has always cleared uh if you've ever purchased anything internationally and had it come into a port it undergoes a you know a, a fair amount of um scrutiny and it should that's the way it should be we don't want things coming in from abroad that are dangerous to us here in the united states okay the other really weird thing that i come to find out was probably part of the problem is now you gotta remember this is a french company i don't know how many people speak english there but it was a box full of dandelion seed for research here in the united states on the side of the box, someone had written in a Sharpie, weed. Okay, 
So maybe that was one of the first problems that's going on with this thing. Weed. What? First of all, why would anybody write that on the side of the box? It had nothing to do. Maybe it was written here in the United States. I, I, I couldn't tell you. So, you know, I start calling. Now, if you've ever dealt with different federal government and state government's agencies, you'll find out that speed is not always, a f- you know, not always something that happens. It doesn't, it happens pretty slow. When you start to deal with federal agencies, it can be slow going. So I start with the first thing I do is these things had to pass customs. So I called the U.S. Customs. You know, on and on and on and around and around we go, you know, and it, Nothing really came about, and they're like, well, why don't you talk to the uh, airport, which was flown into? Talk to the customs agents there. So I get to the customs agent there, and they're like, oh, yeah, the, the, there was the, the paperwork to enter this country was not with it. We looked at it. We said, this is, not, uh, this is unknown to us. We're going to burn it. And that's what they did. I was like, well, am I going to get my $8,000 reimbursed? You know, if he talked to this company and they're like, no. Essentially, they told me no. And I'm like, all right, well, um, so what else do I need to, where can I find some solace in some 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 type of, uh, you know, a return on my $8,000? Even if I don't get it all, how about some of it? Well, just so happens that this parcel came to the United States Post Office. Look, those boys take it seriously when you're trying to, to mail something that is not legal, at least in their eyes. Now, remember, this is legal. I've done it for many, many years. There was a piece of paperwork that had not been included with this package. And when Customs opened it, they incinerated everything and sent the package to me. So I find out from the post office that there's probably a problem at the EPA also, because if this is something detrimental to the environment, they're going to get involved. So I had to call the EPA. Well, back and forth. EPA, United States Customs, the airport customs, the post office. Oh my God. I was just like, what is happening here? So finally, this is now we're not talking about like a half hour on the phone. I'm talking about a week or more, more on the phone because I have a full-time job I have to work at also. Finally, one day I get a lady, a lady's voice. Yeah, I tell her the story. I have the story down to, you know, here's what happened. Da, 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 da. Here's the name of the company. Here's the type of seed it was. Here's the genus and species. You know, all the information because I've said this probably 35 times now in a week. And she's like, oh, I've been here for a long, long time. And I know exactly what you need to do. Okay, please tell me. Just please tell me what's going on. There's nothing you can do. Your weed seed, your dandelion seed has been incinerated. It is gone. But that's not the biggest issue you have. You need to talk to TSA. The people who monitor you as you enter and exit a flight in the airport. Like, what? It's like, yeah. He says, you don't know for sure, but probably one of these agencies has reported you to them and your name has been flagged. She said, I don't know if you're on the no-fly list, but you could potentially be, if nothing else, you're flagged. Okay. What does that mean to me? It's like, well, 
If they have your address, they might come to see you. What? Okay, so, so I'm thinking to myself, here's a lady. You can tell she's, you know, an older person. You know, I, I'm not going to say 70, but I'm not going to say 15 either. And she has some knowledge of, of what's happening here. Evidently, this has been around before. Her, she's been around this before. I'm like, what, what, what am I, you know, how I've been flagged? What does this mean? Now, I travel a lot, both, you know, the lower 48 and internationally, well, on airplanes and trains, trains and cars and whatever. And I have, you know, my, my passport's heavily used. So it's like, what, you know, what, what do I need to worry about? She's like, well, you don't need to worry about anything. I mean, you just need to get it all cleared up. There's, there's, there's the key statement. I have to get it cleared up. Through how many different government agencies and how many airport security type things do I have to go through? I, I had no clue. I had no clue until you start. So I start going down through there. There's a list I kind of made. I did some research. You know, I was just like, I could envision, because I do also teach, all right? And, you know, I can envision, you know, me being there in front of a class teaching and, you know, men in black show up and slap the cuffs on me and haul me away in front of all my students. That's probably not going to go over very well with my bosses or the student body. All right, so I finally, all the minutia of life, I get quote-unquote unflagged. Clear, ready to go, no problems. So now I tell Alice, after all this has happened, I go and say, hey, Alice, there was, you know, there were some issues here, and I got it all cleared up. I didn't want to tell her beforehand. I didn't want to worry her. You know, because like I said, I'm about to go out of the country again. Probably, oh, I don't know, say a month after this happens, I'm, I'm traveling out of the country. So I go to my local airport. Now, I live in a really, really tiny town. It does have an airport. But there's a town a couple of hours away from me that is a small city, large town. I don't know. that They have a really good airport. And they have really good connections on it. But still, you know, you don't have to go four hours early and worry about getting through security. That's not the way this airport is. It's still much smaller than an international hub airport on the east or west coast or wherever you might see one. So I go to this, this airport. Okay. I've flown out of here. Oh, I can't tell you how many times I've flown out of this airport. Um, and I know it like the back of my hand. Literally, there's one floor, there's maybe 10 gates, maybe. I have never had more than two or three people in front of me in line to get through security to board the plane. All right. So, all's looking good, I show up, I've got my passport, I've got my, you know, my wheelie bag, and I've got a, uh, a shoulder bag, ready to go. Just like I always have. Walk up to the agent to clear security, hand him my passport, and he starts eyeballing it. He starts necking me hard. Looks at me, looks at the passport, looks at me, looks at the passport. Uh, this isn't going to be good. Oh, this isn't going to be good. I, can already, I already have that feeling. All right, I already have that feeling. This feeling, I, I got it once before. It was right after 9-11 happened. Walked into a major city's airport, showed them my passport, and they took me away and did a strip search on me. 
I don't know how high or how, but it felt the same way. All of a sudden, I look up from behind the person with my passport. There are two armed guards. Armed guards. I don't know where they came from. I have no idea who they were. I'm guessing they were TSA agents. I don't know if TSA agents are allowed to carry a sidearm or not. They're like, Max, come with me. We need to take you in the back. Well, I've been in the back before. That's where they take your clothes off and they check you out. Everything you own on you and off of you. In the back is not fun. So I go to the back. They're like, uh, we're going to ask you to take your clothes off. I'm like, uh, why? Like, uh, we would like you to take your clothes off. We want to make sure that you are not carrying anything that you're not allowed to have. And we're going to check your luggage. So I take off my clothes. I'm standing there in the old BVDs watching. These two gentlemen open up my luggage, my computer case, take everything out, put it on the table, sort through my clothes, sort through my suit jacket, sort through my shoes and my socks, everything, my tie, everything. They go through it. I'm like, okay, can I go? They're like, nope, can't go yet. So we need you to put your hands up to your elbows in this machine. I don't know, they didn't call it a machine, they called it something. So put your hands in here. What it was, was some kind of a square box, about three feet long and about a foot high, and it was about a six to seven inch slice opening through the center of it, this thing in the front. They're like, put your hands in there. Now, I'm already going, white coat syndrome, please, not now. White coat syndrome, not now. I don't want to be afraid of what's about to happen here. Never have never seen this machine before. So I put my hands in there, a little buzz or something, and I jumped. I'm like, no, 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 hold still, hold still. I have no idea what was there. I'm like, all right, you can take your hands out of the machine. I'm like, what's next? Put your clothes on, put your luggage back together, and you're free to go. What's that? What's that all about? I was no fly list. I was flagged. That was supposed to be all cleared up. One of the scarier moments I've had in an airport, and it wasn't 9-11. That's all for now, folks. This is Three Tails Max signing off. It's not my...